Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day, Gordo. We're going to talk to Coach Gordy Chiesa coming up here momentarily. Uh, very interested to get his take on the Bulls docuseries, considering uh, Coach Chiesa was on staff with Jerry Sloan during those series. Yes, he had uh, uh, the best seat in the house. All right, uh, let's, in fact, uh, waste no more time. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, longtime jazz assistant coach, and he's right here on the jazz broadcast with me in the studio uh, when we were having a season. Of course, he is the great Gordy Chiesa. Coach, how are you? Jake, I'm doing well. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Gordy. Hope uh, hope you're staying healthy and safe. And likewise, thanks for asking. Yes, yeah, we're all trying to navigate through this uh, uncertain times, and hopefully, all our loved ones and all the Jazz fans are, rel- are doing relatively safe. Coach, well I miss I miss seeing you here in in studio. I feel like I haven't seen you in months and months, and uh, it just kind of abruptly stopped. It it still feels weird. That's right. The last time I saw you, the president was George Bush, 43. <laughs> it's been a minute. It has. Uh, hey, Coach, well, let's start things off. I want to get your thoughts on the, the Michael Jordan docuseries. Uh, not sure if you've been watching it all the way through, but if you have, uh, what are you taking away from it? I watch all of them. It's very fascinating. Well done. I, I knew most of the things, but I like the dynamics of the of the uh, the organization A through Z. And uh, they were a great team in that era. When you win six championships, you go 6-0, and oh, that means you have a once-in-a-lifetime the best player ever in the history of basketball with a tremendous supporting cast. And in jazz basketball, as a reference point for the listeners right now, the Jazz lost four games to two in 97 and four games to two in 1998. And I can assure you that every one of those games were hard fought, including the last one of game six, what they're going to show tonight on um, ESPN, the 87-86 Jordan, uh, Jordan jump shot versus the Jazz. So before we get into that series, uh, or bo- either one of those series, I'm curious to know how you thought about the way Jordan treated Jerry Krause in in this particular series of episodes, and also how uh, how Jerry Krause uh, was treated by well, two things: how Jerry Krause was treated by Reinsdorf, and how Jerry Krause treated Phil Jackson. Both troubling, absolutely. It was troubling how they treated Jerry Krause, who was the architect, and then sometimes, I know he's passed away now, so sometimes he's a worse enemy also. So there was a high level of, um, of um, enviness between the organization and Michael and Phil Jackson relationships, everybody, and the ownership and management, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was somewhat dysfunctional, but the number one person was number uh, Jordan, and no matter what happens, he could carry the load. Unlike in jazz basketball, it was relatively smooth, where there was absolute respect factor from ownership down to the uh, 14th player in the team, led by uh, John and Carl and Jeff, but also by Jerry Sloan. So it was two different dichotomies, but 
they won six in a row and uh, because of a guy named Jordan. Which team, Coach, and maybe this is uh, kind of like picking uh, between kids, but uh, which team was the better team, the, uh, the first finals team or the second? The second one. We were absolutely a bit better the second time around. First thing is that we had more depth and that what happens in playoff basketball, and I had the privilege to coach in 149 playoff games, is the games that you lose the previous years, they're forever in your, your consciousness. And, the, and from, both from, a, from a coaching standpoint, but also from a player standpoint. So you get hardened over it. You really do. So in Jazz Basketball, as we speak right now, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy, and that gang, uh, Joe Ingles, the, the previous losses of, the, previ- of the, uh, the last few years is that it's, it's in their minds. And so the toughness that you need and the, the, the tenacity as a group, it comes to the forefront. So, for example, when the Jazz, uh, in Game 5 in Chicago in 1998, we were on the ropes. Uh, we lost Game 4, 86-82, and we lost Game 3 by 54 points. How crazy was that? We couldn't make a shot, and they made all of them. But in Game 5, the elimination game, the United Center, just to, to set the stage, with all the balloons in the ceiling and the Bulls are ready to celebrate, Carl Malone wouldn't, would, not, uh, would not budge. He answered unbelievable. People forget, in Game 5, Carl outplayed the whole Bulls by himself. 39 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists to force a game six. And also in that game, Antoine Carr was absolutely great off the bench. So I remember flying home uh, on, the, on the charter, and we were saying to ourselves that, that this, guy, this guy, number 32, that he refused to lose. Let's fast forward it. In game six, it was Jordan's turn. And, you know, Gordon and Jake, in game six, people forget that Jordan missed 20 shots in that game. He shot 15 for 35. So he missed 20 shots, which means simply is that Shandon Anderson and Brian Russell and a half of um, Jeff Hornacek attempted to slow him down. So he got 45 points, including, the, obviously, the iconic game winner. But let's not forget, though, he, uh, he, he took 35 shots to beat us by one. So when I tell people this, you know, for decades, I'm asking this question, uh, Jake and Gordon, so many times over the last 20, uh, 22 years, is people forget that Carl also in game six, he got 31 points and 11 rebounds and seven assists. So the two main guys on each team, they delivered. One thing that really stood out to us, and Jake and I have been talking about it, Gordy, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on it, is uh, how close these games were. Like you just talked about, that one game got away from a uh, 42-point difference, and that was probably the worst game I've ever seen the Jazz play, or certainly one of them. But the rest of the games, one, were close, and two, were mostly in the 80s. Uh, Well, those were... Those were kind of tough, grind them out kinds of affairs. Very much, with very much physicality in basketball. Um, Jake and Gordon, every losing team, including the Jazz, when I we coached, when we lost playoff series, and maybe the Jazz, in, uh, as we speak right now, here's the reality: your above sea level is thirty-four thousand feet, and by the way, it's three o'clock in the morning, and you're coming back after a playoff game, and it, especially with elimination game, everyone says these awful words: "I wish you were more physical during this series." Just like in the NFL. When the NFL team loses a playoff game, they always say we were out physical, not out talented. 
or not out not uh, out schemed. It's a more it's the physicality. So Gordon, in that those series and most series is that here we are the, the greatest players: Jordan, Carl, Pippen, Rodman, John Stockton. Everybody's competing, and it comes down to really uh, bang bang grinded out series. People forget also about. Um, the re- part of the reason why the Jazz fell slightly short was the length X factor of the Bulls. They were so long. So even so, this generation, they would say, what's the wingspan? What's Rudy's wingspan? What's this guy's wingspan? Well, here's the Bulls' wingspan. Um, Michael Jordan, Ron Harper, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, Luke Longley, and vastly underrated wingspan, Tony Kukoc. So picture trying to make, uh, make a jump shot. If you're Jeff Hornacek, who, who you rely on, on savviness, on quick catch and shoot, suddenly you have Robin, or, you have Robin switching on you, or Ron Harper defending you all the time, or Tony Kukoc with your length bothering you. And so the Bulls averaged 10 steals per game in that series. So we lost by one, two, three points. They get 10 steals on us on average. That was the X factor, besides Jordan. Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, uh, what really came through in this docuseries for me is just what a petty guy Michael Jordan is and that to motivate himself to get the best out of himself, he had to you know create this tension, these the bad blood. I mean, the examples go on with Gary Payton and George Carl and even Brian Russell, and that's just what he had to do to get the most out of himself. We talk about John and Carl and the way that they motivated themselves and their teammates around them. They did it by example, but both of them, absolutely. It was a badge of courage in that generation, including Michael Jordan, is that you played 82 games minus bad injury. So those, and besides with John and Carl, they practice all the time. And as John got older, we used to hold him out of practice or minimum out of a certain drills because he always wanted to be out there. And we, I always, I'm always saying to him all the time, John, you've mastered this drill. I'm positive you've mastered it. And so we held him out of certain uh, drills, but and John and Carl also, just to arrest their body. But they, they, they were they motivated themselves and the teammates followed. Also, just by example, just like in jazz basketball today, they, we, we, uh, the, the part of the DNA is getting a, a good character guys. Now, I'm, I don't mean the guys that are angels. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying good character guys, and that's what the jazz did. So a lot of the motivation was by example, but also the players were self-motivated, and in Jerry Sloan's incredible, fearless leadership, and also Larry Miller. So it's not one thing, Jake, it's everything. And most times motivation, when it lasts, it has to be self, a player has to be self-motivated. And that was all the guys. Gordon, a lot of times uh, uh, I talk about over the decades about Brian Russell and Shandon Anderson, where those guys were two second-round picks, so suddenly they're guarding the greatest player of all time in the most intense environment in basketball. Both those second-round picks are trying to stay in front of Jordan or Scottie Pippen off the dribble. So in that game six that we were talking about, Gordy, uh, the Jazz are 41 seconds left. The Jazz are up three. Yeah, John made that kick-out shot, and I know exactly what you're going to go to. 
So they're, they're, uh, they're uh, call being double team on the mid block and uh, Antoine Carr again. The power of winning. So they double team call from the from the front side, not the back side. That's at the next play later. So John couldn't make a three point shot that game. So Antoine Carr does the right thing. He dive cuts in the lane. He freezes up Ron Harper. Call throws a great jump pass out of the double team, and John hits the three to put the Jazz up 86-83 with 41.9 seconds left. Yeah, and in that moment, you're thinking, okay, up three on your home floor. One stop. Play, the, the place is crazy. I mean, and then Jordan, he, I, when I watched the replay of that move to the basket and that layup, I thought – it, it happened it, too it, fast. It was only yes. happening within four seconds. The, the we, defense, we couldn't stay in front of them. Yeah, the defense broke down on Correct. that. But even after that, the Jazz get the ball. They come down. They get the ball to Carl Malone on the low block. And you're thinking, okay, if I if I have a scenario where I think the Jazz are going to win, give me Carl Malone on the low block with 18 or 19, 20 seconds leading into that to go in the game up one, I'm thinking Jazz win. Correct. And it, 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 let's go for the listeners right now, especially the young people that, uh, that are listening right now on 1280 of the zone. We've, that was the Jazz classic fist one play. I'll give it to you in layman's term. That's when John Engel dribbles to the wing area. He pauses. Jeff Hornacek's on the left block. He, uh, he goes uh, eye to eye with John. He turns around and sets a screen on the basket line, right at the bat, middle of the floor in the lane on the basket line. So now small screens on big, meaning Jeff at two, at two guard, screens on Robin, a four man. Jordan's guarding Jeff. Perfect screening action. Call comes off shoulder to shoulder. Robin, to his credit, stays on Call's body, so there's a huge uh, uh, collision. The ref doesn't call anything, which is fine. Call gets the ball on the uh, right on a right on two-footed catch off the lane. Jordan goes to the basket line against Jeff Hornacek and sneaks on the backside and gets a backside steal, which he never did the whole game. So that's the brilliance of Jordan and having savvy where he he stole the ball from Call from the backside. He did it one time the whole game. He did it when it mattered. Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on 97.5 in, in 1280 The Zone. And, Coach, you've talked to me for years about identifying with players and how you would identify uh, with different players as a coach to communicate with them. And with that in mind, how would you have liked to have coached Dennis Rodman, who was such certainly a, a basket case and a knucklehead, but when he played, he played all out all the time. How hard would it have been to coach somebody like that? Not at all, because really he has actually a good teammate. So who, a teammate is um, a teammate is somebody that is willing to do a lot of sacrificing on the court, and that was Rodman. So Rodman, believe it or not, was a good teammate, but even a better floor mate. Remember you and I talk about it all the time, Jake, on the air, where you do the broadcast about being a floor mate, and that is absolutely Dennis Rodman. Take away his orange hair, taking away hanging out with Madonna, taking away everything else off the court, going to Vegas, et cetera, et cetera. The fact of the matter is that he's a willing screener, he plays incredible defense in his stance, and he gets traffic rebounds, and he plays to win. So the answer is we'd love to coach him. So Jordan has the ball, 18 seconds left, dribbling down the floor. The Bulls do not call timeout. What's going on on the bench? What's going through your mind as a coach, Gordy? 
I was yelling out Green to Jeff Hornacek. We practiced it during the walkthrough where a Green defense, again, in layman's term, is when the nearest player double teams the ball. So the second I saw Jordan running down the floor in transition with the ball, I know what's going to happen before it, I knew it, before it happened. And I say it so sincerely, I knew it was going to happen if you had to get my drift. And so I was screaming at Jeff Hornacek in a good way from a coaching standpoint to go Green defense. He was guarding Ron Harper, who's really an erratic shooter. And it was so deafening. It was so loud that Jeff always tells him that he couldn't hear me and that Jordan came down and didn't cooperate. Whether Jordan pushed off with his left arm, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's irrelevant because the refs are never going to call that. And so that went through our mind that what you like to do is have a running trap end of a game to make the elite players, no, no different than this generation, guarding uh, LeBron James end of a game. You've got to try to running trap him. He might not cooperate. He still might attack it with his shoulder, but you've got to make him try to pass the ball. And so when that happened, it was no surprise. The last point is this. Then we called timeout, and John missed a tough, big, makeable three-point shot to win it at the buzzer. So John had a good look and a high pick-and-roll action. It, it danced on the rim, and it, and it bounced out. And that's what, that was the Bulls' uh, their sixth straight win. His last point that? about that is that do you realize the TV part of that was that that was the most watched game ever in the history of basketball. There was 35.8 million people watched that game on a Sunday night with prime time with NBC with uh, Bob Costas and Doug Collins and Amar Bashad and Pete Vesey on the sideline uh, doing the game. Can you imagine if that shot had gone in by Stockton? Well, I mean, that would have been remarkable, but since it didn't, and you walk, you, you observe the atmosphere on the floor, Gordy. You walk into the locker room. What's the mood? What's going on? It was devastating because there was such a great bunch of people. We said to the players all the time, and if I was with the Jazz right now, as far as in the locker room, I would say to this Jazz team right now, we might never walk the same path again with the exact same 14 people in the locker room. Based on what? Trades, retirements, people moving on, et cetera, et cetera. So the 14 people, as far as on the team, and, the, and, the, and the, at that time there was four coaches, will never be in the same locker room ever again in our lives. And so we talked about this before the playoffs start, that this is special. Let's not forget about Jazz basketball. The Jazz won 60 games three out of four years before that. So it was 62, uh, 60, and then 64. And so we're one of the best teams ever to not be champions because number 23 didn't cooperate, the world's greatest player. Coach, I understand you have a list for us yeah, today. Yeah, and segue to this list. This is, and I'll go, I'll go through this quickly because I know you guys are up for the, on the commercial break. This is the 15 greatest all-time NBA players. Again, all-time. And here's the quick criteria. Longevity, clutch scoring, rebounding, assisting, defending, team success, shot blocking, and leadership. So not the most highest scorers, even though some are definitely high scorers. It's all the above. All right, number 15 all-time, eight-time champion, John Havlicek. Number 14, four-time champion, Shaquille O'Neal. Number 13, Three-time champion, one in the NBA, two in the ABA, Julius Irving. Number 12, one-time champion, one of the greatest players as far as clutch scores, Jerry West. Number 11, one championship, 
he triple double was his was his name before it became fashionable. Oscar Robinson, number ten, five championships, retired just recently. Mister Fundamental, one of the most underrated great players of all time, Tim Duncan, number nine, two championships. He's 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 the the greatest ever foreign player in history of basketball. Hakeem Olajuwon. Now, Luka Doncic could be and the Greek freak could also surpass him. I get that, but as you speak right now, number eight, he won eleven championships in thirteen years. Um, he's the greatest ever game seven performer. He played in eleven game sevens. His record is eleven and zero. This is the most amazing thing. We all know him, Bill Russell. Number number seven, three championships, one of the world's greatest shooters, Larry Bird. Number six, he passed away unfortunately recently from um, from the L.A. Lakers. Great, great player, Kobe Bryant. Number five. He vented the sky hook with six championships from the L.A. Lakers, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Number four, from the Lakers also five championships, did it with a smile, Magic Johnson. Number three, he changed the rules of basketball because no one could stop him, including Bill Russell. He, he, he was the most amazing player as far as his strength and as far as mobility. No, uh, two-time champion, Will Chamberlain. Number two, we might see him in the playoffs here in Salt Lake City as far as uh, if, there's, if there are games, etc., etc. He's won three championships, LeBron James, and number one, the all-time greatest player of all time with six championships, Michael Jordan. What do you think, Gordo? I think it's a really good list. And you could change that list. And tomorrow, if I did the list tomorrow, you could change it. And let's, <laughs> let's not forget Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, uh, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden. They're all knocking on heaven's door. <laughs> well, Co- uh, one, one last question for Gordy. Uh, Gordy, I just wondered, like in 1997, uh, you're in the middle of a final series. You're heading into game five, night before game five. Just wondering if you would... Uh, eagerly order a pizza. Oh, I love your column today. The answer is, I, I love what you wrote. Um, yeah, I could answer is yes, I could. But um, I, I love stories like this. This is like conspiracy theory. I love it. Well, Coach, we love you, and when you have a chance to drop by the show, and hey, I'm knocking on wood, hoping that we'll be able to uh, conclude this season in one way or another and be doing some more shows before it's all said and done. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Gordy. That's a long you time know, jazz assistant coach Gordon Chiesa. I like, boy, is that great insight or what? I mean, the man was on the sideline, uh, on the court, court side. He's in the locker room, breaking down the plays, telling us what the reactions were. That is fantastic stuff from Gordy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, it, it's so great. To, it's been so fun, I guess I should say, having his perspective on the Jazz prehab and postgame uh, this year because it, it truly is so valuable. He's got so much experience and he's seen so much uh, behind the scenes with this franchise. And, uh, Gordon, you, you say this, uh, uh, but uh, uh, Coach Chiesa has forgotten more about basketball than we'll ever know. And uh, it's it's been a lot of fun getting his insight this year, and that was great getting his insight on the the docu series. Oh man, I mean, I covered every one of those games and was at every one of those games. Gordy is in the freaking locker room. He's in the game plan. He's he's there. He's on the sideline yelling for Jeff Hornacek <laughs> to double. 
<laughs> it's it's remarkable insight, it really is. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for Sounds of Various Clips, also known as Drop of the Day. Gordo, I selected today's, really for no reason uh, other than it was one of the um, most awkward slash hilarious uh, moments of my life. <laughs> Man. Really? That's the highlight right there. Can we, should we should we set the scene? I, I guess this has to do with kind of what, what we're talking about today. We're talking about the Bulls a little bit, and he is the current head coach of the Bulls, Jim Boylan, <laughs> former head coach of the Utes. And, uh, Gordon, it was a Utah-BYU game. Um, was it one of the Jimmer years? I think it was. Was it not? And, uh, I don't even remember. BYU uh, came away victorious, and uh, Jim Boylan came into the post-game press conference room in a, in a bit of a grumpy mood. A, um, a a younger reporter. I don't know if it was a student reporter. I I haven't seen that person since uh, that I know of. But they asked kind of a uh, a question about uh, how Jim Boylan felt about his team not playing so well, and he didn't respond to that well. And then you kind of jumped in, and then the fireworks happened from there. Am I setting this up right? Uh just Jim Dandy. By the way, this was 10 years ago this March. This March? We've wow. We've just passed the 10-year anniversary. That's amazing. It doesn't feel 10 years does ago. does not. But anyway, I was sitting right next to you when this happened, and uh, it was hilarious even at the time. Here we go. Coach, you started that second half missing your first 12 shots. Explain how you were feeling during that run. Like, that's how I was feeling. How am I supposed to answer that? How would you be feeling? Uh, what was the reason for the uh, for the offensive inefficiency, Jim? Ball didn't go in the hoop. Well, why? Why not? Ball didn't go in the hoop. Were you happy with the schemes? Next question, Coach. You hold. Don't come here once every two years and ask those questions. I don't want to hear that from you. I can ask the question. Good. That's ask. Coming. I'm not answering it. Oh, don't come here question, once every please. two years. Coach, I don't want to hear that from you. Break. Yeah. I see to show up. Show some class. Who was the SID there in the background who was trying to get a handle on it? Coach. Coach. I can't remember. So funny. It was so funny. That was the SID in the back? The the one that kept saying coach, yeah. coach? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because Jim was getting a little. Kind of like Dave Christensen's daughter. Oh, man, we've got to play that for drop of the day one of these days. <laughs> wow, have we not thought about that? Maybe that's <laughs> tomorrow. The, Dad! It, Mr. Howdy Doody, the flyboy <laughs> one. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> nice ethics. Oh, I mean, that like the, the, the question that led into that was not a terrific question. I mean, you ask him how he's feeling when his team was getting drubbed at the beginning <laughs> of the second half. I mean, he's, he could have been a little nicer about the way he answered it. But I thought what you were doing was noble. You were jumping in saying, hey. Let me ask you a little bit in a better manner. Was you know, were you 
designing that up well, or were they just missing shots? You were kind of trying to 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 get to the spirit of the question and ask it better, and then I don't know. He didn't like uh, the cut of your jib or something. There, Gordon got loose on you. Don't blame the media when your team sucks. I can ask the question. Show some class. class. That's the best part. Show some class. And by the way, was that a terrible question? Because that's a pretty cool quote to put in your student newspaper the next day. Quote like bleep, unquote. (laughs) Got a great quote off that dumb question. Oh man! But how is Jim really yeah. supposed to answer that? Like, <laughs> no, oh, I, know. I felt great. I know. I felt good. I had uh, I had a decent dinner. They and, still uh, got to pay me. It was digesting nice. So yeah, I got to check my bank account during <laughs> halftime and was feeling pretty good about that. Uh, I got a nice house, nice family. It was good. Yeah, I'm good. Oh man! The best part is that uh, we had talked later, and he was going to make it up to me, taking me to breakfast and whatnot. And he. Uh, he forgot his wallet. So I see to show up. <laughs> but when I do show up, I show up with my wallet. I was gonna, so you paid for breakfast. So he could apologize to me. <laughs> he got you. And the funny thing was, he it got wasn't, you. Even, wasn't even an apology. It was an hour and a half torture session making excuses about how his players didn't play hard. Oh, well. That's, uh, that's a long time ago. Listen, I just... I'm not disappointed in my guys. I, I just disappointed in your paper. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, Go you! I didn't know he spent the breakfast throwing his team under the bus. Yeah, he did. It was it was pretty uh, pretty aggressive too. I mean, <laughs> these players was... just stink and they're lazy. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Is your paper hiring? I want a different job. The funny thing was about it, that after we talked that time, then I saw him a few other times socially, and uh, he pulled me he pulled me over, and we, he introduced his family to me. He was, he was very, uh, I don't know what that was, he was very nice on uh, other occasions. Socially? Yeah. What, like at a, like at a, a soiree of some sort? Are no, I was coming like, out of a is restaurant. The, is this the I, upper I was, cl- was, crust of Salt Lake society? I was coming out of a restaurant, and he was he was coming into it, and he had his family there, and so he brought me over and introduced everybody to me. So I'm sure they were happy to meet me. I told you, know? you about the the time I was working sidelines, and he was an assistant coach on the Spurs, right? And, and what happened? I went up to him before the game, and I mm-hmm. said, "Hey, Coach Boylan, hey, nice to I'm Austin Horton. I work for local radio here in Utah, the Utah Jazz Station." Uh, and I and he says, "Oh, nice to meet." You. I said, "I produced Gordon Monson's show," and he went, "Oh, crap!" <laughs> <laughs> Is that a true story? Yeah, I've, I swear I've told you that story before. He was having fun with it. He wasn't like mm. really terrified, but that was the end of the conversation too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was all well, nice and jovial. Oh, nice to meet. You. Oh, crap! <laughs> That's funny. I'm glad we could amuse you with that today, Jake. I, and then you didn't write about it. Paul didn't go in the hoop. Brad Rock wrote about it, about that out- outburst, but you didn't write about it. I didn't write about it that night uh, because I really wasn't in the mood to be in the middle of it all. Um, so I ignored it. But then the paper said, hey, will you write something on that and tell us what happened? So the next day I wrote I wrote uh, my version of it. I can't remember what I wrote, but... Uh, it was 
you know. I mean, a coach gets mad, you know. Sometimes coaches, it's frustrating, you know. He was, he was obviously mad. He was frustrated. He wasn't going to give a good answer no matter what question was asked. And I guess that's understandable. I'm not making excuses for it because I thought – I thought it did lack class, but uh, he, he it, it, you know, this is a competitive business he's in, and it was difficult for him because his team just got punched. So, you know, what are you going to do? All right, we'll, uh, we'll have more Big Show coming up next. We've got to do that for, for tomorrow's, though. Remember that, Austin. We've got we to gotta do the Dave Christensen. That has to happen. That's one of the more hilarious things ever caught on camera. Former Utah offensive coordinator, Dave Christensen. Is he still? Where did he go after Utah? Is he still there? He was offensive line coach somewhere, wasn't he? I have no idea. Yeah, not right. not Air Force. Tell you that right now. I know. All right, we'll have more coming up next. It is the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the Zone Sports Report on ninety-seven five twelve eighty the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by our friends at the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Thousands of cars uh, in inventory. Check them out, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? Uh, we're going to Virginia. All right. Again. Two days in a row. Okay, before I, I, I get into what happened here, let me ask you. Have you ever been driving down the road, maybe not the interstate, but some sort of road, somewhere a country road, and you, and you see something in the road and you stop and pick it up? Uh, no, not Never. that I can think of. No, I don't often pick up uh, garbage on the road. Well, maybe you should start thinking about doing that because a family... In Virginia, Caroline County. All right. They were driving down the road on a Sunday afternoon drive, you know, just getting out of the house, driving along. And the woman who was in, uh, they were in their uh, a pickup truck, I guess. They were driving along and they noticed the car in front of them swerving. And they swerved around a trash bag. And so this woman, Emily Shantz is her name, stopped the car and uh, went and picked up the bag thinking it was, it was trash. And they saw another bag about 15 feet away. So they put that in the back of their truck. And uh, upon further inspection, they found not trash inside the bags, but a million dollars in cash. A million dollars in cash? What did they do? It was just shy of a million dollars in cold, hard cash. She said inside of the bag there were plastic baggies, and Uh they were addressed with something that said cash vault. Mm. So what did they do? What what do you do at this point? Oh, I leave it there, and I get up. uh, Or I I alert somebody. Because that's drug money, and it's a million dollars. Somebody's coming looking for it. Have you ever seen No Country for Old Men? <laughs> yes, I'll tell I you what I'm not that. doing. I'm not keeping it. <laughs> not a chance. That's that's uh, waiting every day for somebody to show up at my door to collect? No, thank you. 
Let me ask Austin. You find a million dollars in the middle of the road. Nobody sees you. You're by yourself. And uh, what do you do? You you said it. Nobody sees me. Nobody ever sees me again. <laughs> you just disappear. Yep. You we go. gone. <laughs> really? Gone fishing. Yeah, man. A million dollars. Somebody's coming and looking for a million I, I, bucks. I take though. that as God gave me that million dollars. I don't believe in coincidence. You think divine intervention, huh? I think God directs each of our paths, and my path was directed to that million dollars. So that's sort of like God's ATM to you? I don't. You you can uh, you can uh, qualify it how you'd like, but that million dollars was put in my path. He knew where pay, I was going to be walking. You're paying tithing on that. Uh, well, next question. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah, I th- will. Th- this family apparently immediately, forthrightly called the Caroline County deputies upon making the discovery. Uh, smart Stupid. move. Smart move. Yeah, I, I, I see the temptation for you, Austin, but I, I see what Jake is saying, too. I mean, that could lead you down a dark, uh, winding path. What was the what is the name of that actor? The the guy who played uh, Penelope Cruz's husband. What's what's that guy's that, name? The that guy Bardin, from Bardem. Oh, uh, Bardem. Bardem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, want, boy, he was he was nasty in that movie. Yeah. You want somebody like that knocking on your door and saying, <laughs> hey, about that million bucks? He, how yeah. is he going to find me? Well, maybe they like that movie. Maybe they have a tracking device That's in the cache. That's a movie. Uh, I'm talking about real stuff here. I don't know. There are cameras don't you know? everywhere. There's cameras everywhere. Right. Yeah, someone is going to notice you, A right? bald white guy could be anybody. It wasn't me. <laughs> well, so what, did they find out where the money came from? It didn't say in the story yeah, I read. I think they were probably investigating, but... Uh, Probably I, fell uh, out of Blake Snell's back of his pocket. Uh, there's only one <laughs> occupation of people that just have a million dollars cash riding around in a garbage bag in a in a car. In, uh, in, in, in the baggie? Teachers. Yeah. <laughs> it, it ain't teachers. Orphanages. <laughs> what, what's the meaning of a cash vault? Or whatever it was. Uh, that seems kind of weird that they were labeled that way. I don't know what that means either. Cash vault? Well, I mean, Gordon's basement is basically a cash vault, but... You know, I don't carry probably... my money around in a trash bag. That's a good point, Jake. I, that's that really is unusual. You I'd know? like to give it a try. A million dollars in a trash bag? Yeah, there's there is exactly one place that money came from. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's well, it. well, I guess it could be running guns, but then you know that's not good either. <laughs> okay, so this is one of those things that you need to think about before it happens. To yeah. You. Yeah, I've because if you wait to the moment, who knows where your mind might go with a million bucks? It might go to the Bahamas with you, you know. So I'm just thinking that maybe think that through so that you can make the right decision in the split second. See, so maybe you call and say, "Hey, I found half a million dollars here on the road." Uh, yeah, but now you've gone public. Now people know who you are. There was only often... a half a million there. I don't know what to tell you. You, you think Javier yeah. Bordem with his little oxygen <laughs> cow killing thing is going to care? <laughs> think that so guy's true. there to... That be... guy, he may be the baddest dude I've ever seen in cinema. Holy cow. I would not want to cross paths with that. Mm. Well, I'd live it up for five hundred million or five hundred thousand dollars worth before he. Yeah, but people up. are going to know that you took the other half once they figure out that who who found it. Uh, I'll find some way to liquidate it. 
Well, it's but, liquid. It's cash. Uh, that's right. I'll find some way to do the opposite of that. Now I find a million dollars in like Spend bond it. certificates. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> Nobody's running drugs with bond certificates. Well, maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know. Just think it through. All our listeners out there, you know, whether it's whether it's a, a, a you know a hundred dollars or whether it's a million. You know, you got to think, what am I going to do if I ever find this? If, are you going to think that it's God dropping his your his uh, deposit in, in your path so that you can live a, a life of luxury for the rest of your existence or what? I, I, I think this family did the, did the correct thing, not just the correct thing, but the smart thing. That's what I would have done, too. You find a thousand dollars worth of drug money and maybe you get away with that. But somebody's going to come looking for a million bucks. Well, we're working with a man here who just offered to have a nail driven through his thumb for ten thousand dollars. Are we still doing that? Did you Venmo Austin yet? No, I didn't. Come on, Gordon. I don't want to see my friend in pain. That's like a drop in the bucket to you, man. You sound like you're going to enjoy this, like it's a good bit for the radio, and it's going to be, ha, ha, look at Austin. But Jake wants me to have $10,000. That's not pain. And the fact that it'd be a good bit for the radio is is really uh, beside the point. I can't believe I asked a man who said he'd be willing to drive a nail through his thumb for ten thousand dollars, what he would do if he stumbled upon a million? That's right. Yeah, Austin's don't nothing come here not... every two minutes and ask me those questions. <laughs> Austin's nothing if not consistent. That Show is true. Class. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll have more big show coming up next. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. Wrapping up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five. And 1280 The Zone. Gordon, another hump day has come and gone. Yep, we are over the hump. Uh, and, uh, you know, feeling good. Ready to uh, finish the week strong. And uh, another week. Fellas, the days, the, the weeks are going by. They are, yeah. It, time I mean, doesn't it passing. seem like the t- time seems different. It does. It seems way different. It seems like it's going by incredibly fast and incredibly slow at the very same time. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. We had we had Coach Chiesa on today, and uh, uh, that was the first time I talked to Coach Chiesa since the night the the Jazz Oklahoma City. Well, not talked, but but I mean, professionally uh, interacted with with Coach Chiesa, and that feels Gordon forever ago. It feels yeah. forever ago. Mm. Doesn't it? It does. It does seem like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And yet it also kind of feels like it was like six days ago. In a At weird, least to me. In a weird way. Not to me. I was telling someone the other day, I, I feel like the days are really, really, really painfully slow, but the weeks just fly right by, if that makes any sense at all. Because it all feels the same. There's, no, there's like nothing that changes. It's like we're in Groundhog Day. Yeah. So we're just doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> Uh, but fortunately, we do get snippets of information. Different scenarios have arisen. So I, I don't feel like we haven't had things to talk about, you know? Oh, certainly. When people ask yeah. me, like, hey, well, what are you guys talking about? It's like, well, <laughs> there's plenty. Trust me, there's plenty yeah, going it's not, on. It's funny about that because people think yeah, the, that the game, we all see the games. We, usually when we are doing the show in the course of the season, it's not like we're breaking down every game, every possession. We just don't do that. People see it for themselves, and if something extraordinary happens, and we, we'll talk about that, but 
we we have continued talking the same way we usually do. I, I don't think the analysis of every possession of the game is the business we're in. Yeah, I would. Maybe agree. it is for maybe it is for you when you do a pre half and post. But uh, for us, we like uh, getting into the bigger issues and whatnot. And there have been plenty of things like that of that nature. Well, we'll get into them again tomorrow, Gordo. You enjoy your evening. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, see if I can sharpen my game and you know not show up once every two years. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone.